Okay, it is July 12th, time for the newest, latest edition of the Come On Now MMA podcast. I am Trent Reinsmith, the host, and going to start off with the little Dana White from the UFC 251 post-fight press conference, going to pick and choose a few things that he said that are worth commenting on. The first thing that I'm going to look at is his comments on what were supposed to be Paige Van Zandt, but White snuck in a cheap shot on Curtis Blades as well, just to send a message to anyone who's thinking about maybe complaining that they don't get paid enough. You can do whatever he wants. Just two more for me real quick. Uh, Paige Van Zant, she made it clear she wants to test free agency after this. She lost this evening. Amanda Hevis obviously looks like an up-and-coming talent. But is Paige somebody you'd be interested in talking to? I mean, she made it clear she wants to test the market. Would, would you like to have her back? Yeah, I, I think that um, – I like Paige. I like Paige. Um, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like Blades when I talk – you know, when Blades fought last year. When you, when you talk all that stuff, I'm not being paid enough and – you know, fighting inconsistently, you know, one time in, in the last year, injuries, um, and then got smoked in the first round of the fight. She should definitely test free agency. There's a lot to unpack from that brief, brief conversation with White had with MMA junkies John Morgan. First, when you, when you start a conversation with I like someone, that's usually not a good sign. That's usually an indication that you're about to take a giant dump on that person. And that's exactly what White did here. Um, First, he brought up Curtis Blades, who said he didn't get paid enough correctly, said he didn't get paid enough by the UFC, and White blasted Blades, said that he talked a bunch of crap, and then didn't back that up, but let's not forget that Blades more or less said he was going to beat Alexander Volkov by wrestling him, and that's exactly what he did. He took him down 14 times on 25 attempts, and he beat him that way. So the cheap shots on Blades are some fantasy in in White's mind that he talked trash and didn't back it up. He didn't talk trash. He said what he was going to do and he did it. But that's neither here nor there. So he then says that Paige Van Zandt fought inconsistently. Well, while this is true, there was a reason she fought inconsistently, and that is she broke her arm during a UFC fight. And then injured it more and had to get more surgeries while training for a UFC fight. So it's not like she was just out, you know, mountain climbing or doing something stupid and she broke her arm. She broke her arm fighting and preparing to fight for the job that White's allegedly paying her so much to do. And let's also not forget 
that while she was required, needed to get surgery on that arm, the UFC's insurance let her down. The insurance, according to Van Zant, is only good for one year after the point of the injury. So if she needed to get care for that broken arm, 367 days after it happened, well, then it was out-of-pocket expense. And that's what happened. So White leaves a big chunk of these things out here while while taking a dump on Paige Van Zandt. And then um, the fact that she got submitted in the first round, yeah, that was what was supposed to happen because that's the fight the UFC gave her. They gave her someone who was a minus 900 favorite in this fight. That wasn't an accident that Van Zandt was fighting Amanda Hibas. That wasn't just, whoops, this is the only person we had available. That was a that was a fight that Van Zant was supposed to lose and lose badly, so the UFC could say, "Here she is, folks, free agent." But look how bad she just got beat. It was designed to reduce her value on the open market, and it it might have that effect. It definitely will have that effect if. She doesn't get an offer, and the UFC does resign her because they could. But if they do, they're going to do so at a reduced rate. And again, that's a lesson that's designed to send a lesson to the other fighters on the roster. If you think, if you're thinking about testing free agency, and you're going to tell us that you're going to test free agency, well, this is what's going to happen to you. We're going to go out there. And we're going to give you a fight that you're going to lose badly. And we're going to reduce your value on the open market. So before you think about these doing these things, think about the repercussions. None of this is subtle. It's all out there for everyone to see. And that's not by accident. Dana White and the UFC send messages like this all the time. It's slimy, but that's how they do business. And so let's just watch what happens and see if Van Zandt can can get a good deal for herself. If you paid attention to the UFC 251 broadcast, you noticed that it was there was a lot of commercials, more or less, for Abu Dhabi. And that was not an accident. Um, Those within the MMA bubble know that Abu Dhabi pretty much paid for everything going on on Fight Island, which included the transport of everyone to Abu Dhabi, um, the food, the, the hotels. That was all more or less gratis from... Abu Dhabi with the idea that it was going to generate interest in other sporting events perhaps taking place there during during the the pandemic and the UFC having a compliant media who is not going to bring this up and question things too much 
willingly or or not, they are going to be complicit in the selling of Abu Dhabi to the rest of the world. And White wanted to get his two cents in on uh, make sure he got his part of the Abu Dhabi commercial in, and he did so at the post-fight press conference. It's been great. I mean, I'm, I don't know how you guys have felt here, but this is amazing. You know, when you think about all the places that we could possibly go, and you think about the United, possibly go if everything was normal, um, but everything's not normal. So if you think of the places that we could go, there isn't much going on. And the way the service here and, you know, from the restaurants to the hotels to, to everything, you literally can't do it better than this. You can't, you can't be done better than this. The Apex is great. <laughs> I spent $100 million on that building, and I love it, but Fight Island's tough to beat. You know what I mean? Yes, Dana White, we do know what you mean. And what you mean is that Abu Dhabi paid for everything and then paid a site fee as well. So when you talk about the expense of Fight Island, you lie, and there is no expense. Everything was provided to you in the hopes of generating more income down the road for Abu Dhabi. So we know what you mean, and we also know you're full of shit when you said that Fight Island was just so expensive. So this would have and should have been an opportunity for the MMA media to question White on just how much Abu Dhabi has invested in these fights over the next month. Would White have answered that question? Honestly, the odds are slim. But the, at the very least, the question could have and should have been asked because that's what a journalist is supposed to do. We all know that it's happening, but no one's asking Dana White what it... what. What kind of profit it's generating for the UFC? What are they getting out of this deal? Not one person asked that. So it's a compliant media here again. And disappointing? Absolutely disappointing. Expected? Absolutely expected. In the lead-up to UFC 251, we heard that Jorge Masvidal had struck a better deal for himself and that he got paid pretty well to take this fight with Kamaru Usman, but we didn't find out how much that was, but we also found out that the his, his deal was also extended because of the, the additional money he allegedly received for, for the UFC. Dana White was asked about this, and then he was asked what was going to be next with with Masvidal and the pay and, and let's hear the question and response from White and comment after that. But if he got the, the pay rise that he wanted, right, you're going to have to put him against bigger name guys like Nate or whatever? <laughs> you guys don't know anything about what happened with the deal, so it's all good. So this was weird. Because whoever asked the question, I don't know who it was, they just moved on immediately as if 
they were looking at their notes and not listening to what White actually said. And this is a this is a mistake a lot of people make during interviews. You don't focus on the speaker, so you fail to ask the obvious follow-up question, and you just move on to the next question that's on your on your list of things to ask. And I think that might have happened here, but the kind of knowing laugh and the you guys don't know what happened comment that leads to the obvious follow-up question which is well tell us what happened and help us to understand is white going to answer that again probably not but it plants the seed that something's not being said about what masvidal got and what the ufc offered him and what the ufc gave him so the seeds then planted just by asking that question what's what's missing here what what don't we know and so i would have you know so you ask white that and then maybe hopefully someone follows that up by asking masvidal the same question because the way White handled that, it made it seem to me that what Masvidal said and what he actually received was more to the UFC's liking than than Masvidal probably would like to believe. So this was a, in my mind at least, another drop of the ball by the the media there. Uh, today you announced EA UFC 4. You have Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua in the game. How does that happen? Yeah, because we wanted them. We, we, we wanted them, and, uh, you know, we thought they'd be fun to have in the game as extra characters. I mean, every year we've done, you know, different things from Bruce Lee to, you know, now these guys. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm glad they, I'm glad they uh, agreed and, and wanted to be a part of it, and it's going to be a fun game. I don't know this for a fact, but I would think with their stature inside the boxing world that those two men asked for some money from the UFC to allow them to be in the game. Which again, an easy follow-up question to ask. And again, a follow-up question that is not asked. We know the UFC fighters get if anything, get pennies for, I wouldn't say allowing the UFC to use their likenesses because we know that they kind of have to allow get the, let the UFC use their likenesses per their contracts. So Joshua and Wilder and whoever else are in the game um, that are not UFC fighters most likely got a cut got some kind of payment for for allowing their likeness to be in the game. The question is, how much? How much? Plant the seed, let the UFC fighters know they're getting the shaft. Questions to, to Dana White don't always require an answer. More often than not, you're, you're, you're not going to get an answer, at least not an honest, full answer. But at least plant the seeds of doubt and let these things 
get these things out there so other people can follow up on them and you know investigate and let everyone know what's going on the media is far too compliant with the UFC and there's a reason for that access I don't have access Josh Gross doesn't have access Luke Thomas doesn't have access Stephen Morocco gets limited access Ben Folks probably gets limited access people that do the digging they, they don't get the access but aren't those the people that you want to want to follow aren't those the people that are going to try and get you the information that is more than what the UFC wants to feed you and if you're happy just to get what the UFC spoon feeds the media fine but I'm not I'm not happy with that I don't want that that does nothing but promote the UFC and promote the UFC's message and that is not what the media's job is contrary to what Dana White believes the media's job is not to be the PR the unpaid PR wing of the UFC but this press conference was one of the more egregious PR uh, moments that in, in recent history if you Watch UFC 251, you saw Peter Yan win the Bantamweight title. And you would think the next person up for Yan would be Aljamain Sterling. But Dana White, he's not so sure. Uh, Peter Yan, he win, had a great win tonight. Uh, is Aljamain Sterling the next contender for him? Who's that? The Yan, Aljamain Sterling. Is yeah. the next contender? I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking about Wednesday. I don't really understand this. And again, this this should have been a follow-up in asking why, why White doesn't know. So let's just look at this. So Aljamain Sterling is on a five-fight winning streak during that time. He's beaten Corey Sandhagen, Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera, Cody Stamen, Brett Johns. Then he, he lost to Marlon Marias, and before that he beat Hennan Barrow and Augusto Mendez. So he, since 2017, Sterling is 7-1, and one, and he's the number, he entered uh, this weekend as the number two ranked fighter. The only one ranked higher than him was is Marlon Moraes, who is coming off a... He beat Jose Aldo in December, but before that, in June of last year, he he got, was TKO'd by Henry Cejudo for the vacant Bantamweight title. Cejudo obviously retired. And so now the confusion sets in as to why the Sterling wouldn't, wouldn't be next in line. Because even after... The win, Jan said he thought Sterling should be next in line. So the questions start to come up. If not Sterling, then who? So is there a chance that Sohudo comes out of retirement? Yeah, there's that chance. It's a ridiculous thing, but there's a chance. Is there a chance that somehow or other Cody Garbrandt gets the next shot over Sterling? 
yeah, there's a chance. Again, ridiculous if it happens. Garbrandt had has won one fight in the past nearly four years. He beat Dominic Cruz in December 2016 and then lost three fights in a row, knocked out in each one of those. None of them, two of those knockout losses were in the first round to Pedro Munoz and TJ Dillashaw. The other one was in the second round at the 241 mark, and that was to TJ Dillashaw. He came back in June and beat Rafael Asuncao by knockout. It was a fantastic knockout. But again, it was his first win since December 2016. So there's no way Garbrandt, who is a former champion, deserves that title shot. None whatsoever. Sterling deserves the title shot. Jan thinks that Sterling deserves the title shot. Sterling obviously thinks Sterling deserves the title shot, and he does. Why White would hesitate to say this and why the why the media wouldn't follow up is is something that's dumbfounding. Sterling deserved I, I would say that Sterling deserved this title shot on Saturday more than Aldo did, who is now 0 and 2 as a bantamweight. I don't get it. And I don't understand why no one would follow up and say, Why? Why not Sterling? What would prevent him from being next in line? Uh, first of all, congratulations on the event. I think it went, went really well. Thank you. Um, so USC 251 was originally supposed to be in Australia this year, and obviously um, the pandemic happened. But uh, considering your success here and your ability to sort of be able to put on events in the in face of the pandemic, do you think there's still a chance that the UFC could be coming back to Australia or New Zealand uh, this year? And what are your plans on that front? I do. I've been hearing things, and you would probably know better than me, but I'm, I'm hearing that in New Zealand they're, they're doing things with fans, so um, it's possible. If the UFC would go to New Zealand, I would welcome this wholeheartedly because if there's any country that the UFC is planning on going to or could go to and to have fights in front of fans in a country that is doing things absolutely correct when it comes to COVID-19, New Zealand is that country. And I can almost guarantee you that this is not going to happen. Because part of the New Zealand's COVID-19 plan is, and if you go to their, to their website and look uh, at what the requirements are, for the New Zealand Customs Service, here's the headline of the page is Managed Isolation or Quarantine on Arrival Requirements. And it's two sentences. All people entering New Zealand must go immediately into managed isolation or quarantine facilities. They will remain there for at least 14 days and must test negative for COVID-19 before they can go into the community. So that is why the UFC will not go to New Zealand because they have to go there two weeks and immediately quarantine upon arrival and, and sit in that quarantine for two weeks before they can go into the community. And they can only go into the community then with a, pot, with a negative COVID-19 test. So this is, the, this is what the UFC should, should have been doing from the get-go, 
quarantining upon arrival for two weeks and then testing. They have not done that. They have not come close to doing that. And if, if Dana White thinks that he can change that, that's not going to happen. New Zealand was one of the best COVID-19 response, had one of the best COVID-19 responses, and that is why they are having crowds at their sporting events, because they handle things correctly and they manage it correctly. And that is why the United States is not in the shape that, the, that New Zealand is. And that is also why it's very unlikely that, that New Zealand would have would want this to happen at all because of the United States recklessness and if it does any research on Dana White and how the UFC handled this it'll know that that it, it, the UFC did not handle this in, in the best way they've handled it better step by step but they're still not handling it completely right because they are not quarantining on the back end and testing on the back end they're just not doing that. And so there, I'm, I'm sure there would be a reluctance on the part of New Zealand to do this because of how well they did in reducing it and getting um, active cases pretty much to zero. And Dana White is not someone who is going to influence the government of New Zealand to give him a break. But if it happens... Like I said, I would welcome it, and I would love to see the UFC do things correctly, 100% correctly for once. Not counting on this at all. Money was a, was a big topic going into this main event tonight. Uh, and uh, even Joe Rogan uh, commented on this on, on his podcast recently that uh, he doesn't think the, the pay structure show money and when money is fair for fighters is is do UFC uh, consider maybe moving away to to a different pay structure in the future we've never talked about it now what are your thoughts on this huh what are your thoughts on this is that something you why am I what your your thoughts on this I'm against it I haven't thought about it come on man Dana, well, maybe this is true. Maybe he's not lying. Maybe Dana White has, has never thought about the wind show uh, pay structure being unfair because it's absolutely fair to the UFC because they shaft uh, the, half the fighters. But he has to know that. It's, I mean, it, the, the pay structure is designed to benefit the UFC and to rip off the fighters. So, of course, he he's not going to support this a change in the pay structure. Unless it's to the negative, to the detriment, to unless it's more detrimental to the fighters, which I don't see how that could be because, again, to hit this point again, the UFC receives 80% of the fight revenue. The fighters receive 20 UFC is making bank off the back of these fighters. And, of course... The longer they can, the UFC can keep things the way they are, the happier the UFC and its ownership group will be. And that's not going to change unless a, a change is forced. So like I said in the past, it would be fantastic if Rogan spoke about this 
during a broadcast and not just on his podcast. So speaking about it on the podcast is fine. It's a start, but it's not going to change anything. Bring it up on a broadcast and you're going to get some, uh, at the very least, some strong reactions. Well, I didn't intend for this whole half hour to be about Dana White, but here we are, and uh, it is what it is, to borrow a phrase from Max Holloway. And with that, I'm going to call it a night. I'll be back tomorrow. Till then, stay safe.